This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Thank you to Jonathan Odin, who is our new yearly patron, and to Jimmy, who upped, uh, upped their pledge this past week. You can show your support for this show and everything that we do at Major Spoilers by becoming a patron over at patreon.com slash major spoilers, where you can get access to a bunch of other stuff, bonus content like the pre-show, where we are talking about uh, some of the TV shows that we've been watching uh, lately including Matthew finally sitting down and playing a scary video game. Ooh. You can only catch the Major Spoilers pre-show when you become a patron at the silver level and higher, patreon.com slash major spoilers. Thank you, Jonathan and Jimmy, for your support this week, and thank you to all of our future patrons. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Stephen, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, we got Stranger Things, Danger Street, Human Targets, and Opus the Penguin. We'll travel the wide, wide worlds of pop culture to find the finest and freshest blossoms for your perusal with the added bonus of listening to our panel try to pronounce Mabuse. Uh, we're off on the first jaunt to the world of the Incal, and you are there. The Major Spoilers podcast is over the river and far away across the universe and up the down staircase, but most of all, it's on the air. Welcome to issue 965 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. So glad to have you here with us this week. Why don't we uh, just uh, get started? Let's just do some news. Dive into the news. And I got to tell you, I saw this and I thought it was a joke, but this is for real, you guys. Tom King's newest project for DC Comics, Danger Street, 12 issues in the Black Label series that basically is going to reimagine and update some of the characters from first issue special in the 1970s, including uh, Jack Kirby's one issue opus, the Dingbats of Danger Street. Also Starman, Metamorpho and the Warlord all looking to prove themselves worthy by summoning and defeating Darkseid in battle. Uh, yeah. Danger Street is scheduled to arrive May 3rd, 2022. And I'm weirdly psyched. Um, honestly, I don't I know. Thought... I don't know if it'll include all the characters from the original Danger Street uh, series, but for sure mm -hmm. it's going to have um, uh, 1970s uh, Ziggy Starman uh, <laughs> in it. Starman. As, as uh, it's them, going so. to have Warlord, whose first appearance was in that. It's yeah. got a uh, Lady Cop. Uh, that uh, one, I don't know if the stuff that I saw from DC didn't mention anything about Lady Cop or anything like that, because this one. If you read the further in the solicitations, it's talking about like fantasy stuff like castles and goblins and wizards and stuff. And so I, I don't know where this thing is going. I don't know if it's going to include all of them, the official DC press and the stuff that Tom King has talked about. I haven't seen anything about, uh, anybody other I, than those. Main I saw characters. a shot of lady cop, uh, and I don't know if it came from Tom or his artist is doc Shaner, the artist on this thing. No, it is the same guy who uh, worked with Tom on, I want to say it's Jorge, uh, I forget what his last name is, uh, just recently worked with uh, Tom King on two projects ago. So whatever that is. Cool. Yeah, because I saw the Dingbats of Danger Street stuff, and then I saw the shot of Lady Cop, and I'm like, there's no way they're going to bring back the Dingbats of Danger Street. But yeah, so that's, on the one hand. But you I don't like, like you don't like Tom King though, right? I'm worried about Tom King. I don't hate Tom King. I just feel like when, <laughs> okay. You, you remember Andrew Vox, Andrew uh, Vox wrote the same things. book, the same story over and over and over. Andrew Vox basically wrote about, uh, human trafficking of children and abuse of children. And he wrote in a lot of ways, the same plot over and over and over. And they didn't all go the same place. I'm mad at Tom King about heroes in crisis because heroes in crisis basically popped up and said, what if everybody in the DC universe was horribly traumatized and had to deal with PTSD? And 
then I, you know, I, I bought into this and said, okay, what if, and then the story went, we let's kill Roy Harper. And I'm like, so what, what is the answer to the question? What if everybody in the DC universe had trauma and the series doesn't even try to provide that, nor does it try to provide any treatment for the trauma or any situation where the trauma becomes important to the plot. It's just there. What if everybody, but you know, Superman, Batman and wonder woman was horribly scarred by their experiences. And I'm just like, okay, so what are you trying to say? And so, yeah, I'm interested in, I'm interested in seeing this. Um, I am very interested in seeing this series and where it has to go because I am currently a huge fan of Tom King's The Human Target, which I'll be talking about in just a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, my my Dingbats of Danger Street back issue is just skyrocket. To 12 yeah. whole cents. Anyway. You know what? Netflix has announced that Stranger Things has been renewed for a fifth and final season on the streaming service. The company said, quote, seven years ago, we planned out the complete story arc for Stranger Things. At the time, we predicted that the story would last four or five seasons. It proved too large to be told in four. But as you'll soon see for yourselves, we're now hurtling towards our finale. Season four will be the penultimate season. Season five will be the last emphasis uh, I put in there, of course. Uh, the Duffer mm-hmm. Brothers, who are the creators and showrunners for the series, also chimed in and said there are still more and new exciting stories to tell within the world of Stranger Things. New mysteries, new adventures, new unexpected heroes. But first, we hope that you'll stay with us as we finish the tale of the powerful girl named Eleven and her brave friends of a broken police chief and a ferocious mom in a small town called Hawkins and an alternate dimension known only as the Upside Down. Uh, Stranger Things Season 4 is going to be broken into two parts, the first half debuting on May 27th, and the second half on July 1st of this year. So aren't all those kids like 35 now? <laughs> pretty much. They're getting up there. And I think that's one of the reasons why they're going to have, I mean, they do do a pretty good job of jumping forward in time. I mean, it's not like these things are right on top of one another. They take place a year or so later. Um, Flint Wolfhart, who was in the Ghostbusters movie, he still looks mm-hmm. young enough to be able to play, you know, uh, the character here. I have not seen, Millie Bobby Brown in a while. So I don't know, you know, how much she, she has aged just up turned 18 and oh, I mean, wow. she okay. looks like, she looks like a young woman, but you know, she doesn't yeah. look 11. I guess the thing that I find most interesting, and I think I know why they're doing this. I think I talked about this on the dueling review pre-show uh, this past week. I'm not a huge fan of breaking up these seasons on Netflix. Uh, Netflix of course is the home of everything binging. Uh, I don't want to say that they invented binging, but they certainly made it super easy for people to do by releasing a brand new series. I think they did. Yeah. Right. Um, but I think that's come around to haunt them because I do like being able to watch everything at once. If I want to uh, go see our pre-show where I was talking about beforeners. Uh, but I think that's also come up to bite Netflix in the butt because you can get people who will sign up and say, Oh, there's this new season of stranger things. Yes. Let's sign up for one month. And then after they've been stranger things, they, they unsubscribe because there's not anything new coming out. On the mm-hmm. other hand, Disney and, um, and Warner brothers have done a pretty good job with the, their weekly releases with everything Marvel and everything star Wars, uh, for the last couple of years, as well as we look and see what, um, DC is doing with uh, peacemaker currently. And they're in that they they're keeping that weekly schedule going. So it gets people talking time and time again for Netflix. They still, I think want to keep on this binge thing, but once that first week or two has, has passed, they've got nothing that they can continue to talk about. They did this with Lupin um, or Lupin um, most recently where they took one season and they broke it into two parts and there was a lot of buzz about Lupin uh, when the when the first half released, and then there was like a month of nothing. And then uh, when the second half of the first season came out, it got a lot of buzz and generated a lot more people talking about this series on Netflix. So I think that's the reason why they're breaking Stranger Things season four into two okay. parts is so they can stretch out that um, that hype engine a little bit longer. I don't know what you guys, Rodrigo, what you think, or Matthew, what you think about that. I mean, I just assumed it was like shooting difficulties with COVID. Mm. Um, I don't know when, when they're like, listen, we, we have always known what the ending of this series would be. I'm already like, you're lying, but okay. <laughs> um, 
and uh when they're like yeah so yeah it's like we're breaking it up into two seasons and then we're breaking one season into two parts i'm like i feel like this season is not going to end in any sort of satisfying way like it's neither one of these chunks is going to feel like a season of television because it's all leading to season five yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, although the Duffert brothers did say after season one that they had kind of had an idea for a five issue season uh, series, um, mm-hmm. but they never knew if Netflix was going to do it. And so sure. the way Netflix yeah. runs, it's like they never tell you whether they're going to renew the show until like six years after the the season is released. So yeah. that kind of tangles a lot of this stuff up. And that's why we've had such long delays between seasons is because Netflix is like, well, we don't know if we want to do it. And then three months after they're the show's released, which is six months after the show is shot. Then they're like, yeah, go ahead and start on a second season. And then it's like, well, now we're going to be another year before we get to that and so on and so forth. So yeah. that's, that's a lot of the problems. See, I'm generation X. I grew up with George Lucas. So when you tell me you've had a, an idea figured out from the beginning, I know you're lying. We just know you're lying. Yeah. And while I haven't, you know, I'm not a big stranger things guy. I understand that red guardian is in it. Um, but I've also heard enough to yeah, Hellboy's in it too. Right. And I feel like I can glean enough to get an idea of how the narrative is going. And I feel like when you say, you know, you've had the ending figured out, I think what that means is here's where we want to end it. How do we get there? Kind of like, you know, when when Rodrigo Mm -hmm. wanted to crush all of our souls and spirits, uh, in the void saga, he knew how to crush our souls. He just had to manipulate us all into that position so that he could, you know, squish our souls. But I don't know. I mean, if it's five closed seasons, I might actually start watching season one, 10 years after. Um, I mean, if you started watching season, I mean, season one, I think is honestly the best season of the series. It, It by far is the standout one. Uh, season three, my least favorite of all the seasons. And, uh, even though a lot of people loved it, uh, I will go into May 27th with some uh, hesitation and it may take me, it may take me a while to get through that first part. It may take me until July 1st to see, uh, to see the entire season. So there you go. (laughs) Rodrigo, you've got something to wrap up our news segment this week. Yeah. Let's look at this. Uh, Fox animation, spyglass media group. And Project X Entertainment have announced that Bill the Cat, Opus, and the rest of the characters from Bloom County are headed to the small screen. According to the announcement, quote, just like the strip, the TV version of Bloom County will center on a collapsed lawyer, a lobotomized cat, and a penguin in briefs and fruit headwear living in the world's last boarding house in the world's most forgotten place deep in the dandelion wilds of fly way, way over country. To wit, Today's America at a glance. Uh, The Bloom County newspaper strip, uh, end quote. The Bloom County newspaper strip debuted in 1980, and its height was seen, and at its height, it was seen in more than 12,000 newspapers worldwide before ending in 1989. Uh, I think, Matthew, you're probably pretty excited about this. I love Bloom County. And here's something that's interesting. Loving every single second of that decade of Bloom County has not necessarily uh, carried over into my 50s. And I know that, uh, you know, Breathed is doing new Bloom County online. On Facebook. And I just, yeah, I don't necessarily feel the pressing need to go get it the way I, you know, sought out the newspapers and the collected books when I was younger. And I don't know if I've aged or if. Yes. You know, the, the shut up. <laughs> I don't feel, I feel like I, I haven't necessarily aged out of the, the enjoyment of Bloom County. I feel like maybe Bloom County at this point kind of feels like an artifact of an age that has gone for me. So I, I'll be interested to see it. Half of the fun of Bloom County for me was kind of like Dennis Miller's comedy in the same era. It was the endless run of references to things and go, oh, yeah, Casper Weinberger, that's funny. Um, but, yeah, I'll definitely be interested in seeing this unless it's somewhere weird like the Freak Brothers movie or the Freak Brothers TV show where they're like, yeah, you have to sign up for, like, two different services and put an antenna on your head. It's been around three times. No, like I, th- I think this is, is going to end up, I mean, it's Fox Animation. Um, I don't know where it's going to end up for sure, but I would assume Sunday that's nights. probably going to be on Hulu streaming service is Sunday nights in between Bob's burgers and family guy. Uh, 
I would be surprised if that, I mean, we've seen animated Bloom County stuff before, right? Uh, the, uh, they've taken, uh, the Opus Christmas. Thing yeah. The that into wings whole, that work. Yeah. 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 Uh, and there's some other stuff that they have done over the years with build the cat. And I think more people enjoyed, what was the thing that came after Bloom County? Was it just called Opus? What was it called? Outland. Out- Outland. I think a lot of people really, really enjoyed that. Um, I will agree with you. I have not seen any of the stuff that Berkeley has put up on um, online recently. He used to post on Instagram and I used to follow him there so I could see the daily strip, but I haven't seen stuff in a while. So he seems to be kind of uh, on and off with that. But of course, if he's now deep, he's one of the executive producers on this uh, series. So he may be too busy doing that than to do uh, cartoon strips, uh, new stuff. The other thing is, Bloom County, Doonesbury, even Calvin and Hobbes are very much products of their time. Mm-hmm. And probably Doonesbury, probably the the biggest example, because a lot of it relied on the politics and the political correctness of the time um, that I don't think is going to carry over in Bloom County. I think a lot of the stuff. And again, if you go back and look at early Bloom County, uh, Steve's biggest um, uh, foil in the early days of the strip was a, was a man in a wheelchair. Right. And making fun of people that with a handicap. Right. And, and that's probably stuff that wouldn't fly mm. as well today. Um, I don't know if they were making, I, I feel like cutter John was always the one. I mean, cutter John was, fun. he was very laid back and really centered, but you know, there's times where Steve, when he was talking to the, uh, who was it? The kindergarten teacher or whoever she was, was like, mm-hmm. Hey, I've got working legs. And it's just like, oof, you know, that's not something that you want to say in a cartoon strip. So yeah, um, but Steve's a jerk. I know, but, that, uh, but see, that's why I'm saying is, will that jerk character who is not politically correct cross over today and people will say, oh, this is guy is a jerk or will people be like, heck yeah, that's the kind of guy we want. So I don't know if, I don't know if that's going to work. I don't know. I, I'm very interested in seeing when this happens. My guess is we won't see it until 2023, 2024 at the earliest. Uh, listeners, you can join this conversation about these stories and more over in our Discord. You can join the Major Spoilers Discord server for free. Or if you are a patron, link your Patreon account to the Discord server, and then you access all the secret channels, including the Thursday night live recording of the Dueling Review podcast this week. I think we're doing uh, that big, uh, uh, what is it? It's the the Power Rangers comic, no, but it's not Power Rangers. It's the Black Hole uh, people, whatever that is. Uh, radiant black yes where they finally form the head in this week and you can listen to it live you can listen to us do pre-show and post-show stuff that stuff doesn't get recorded it doesn't go out into the ether anywhere so the only place you can hear our ramblings is in uh in the discord live thursday nights eight o'clock p.m central time get in that show notes get in the link go join today all right let us jump into some reviews Let's see what we got here. Oh, everybody's got stuff from this week and next week. I guess I will go first. I mentioned earlier Tom King, Greg Smallwood, The Human Target, number five. One of the best comics DC is putting out right now. First of all, Greg Smallwood's art is awesome. That's the that's the only thing that I can say about it. It is fantastic. Every panel, every page, how he lays it out, how panels interlock with one another to tell the story, how uh, panels will be repeated, especially in this issue. Uh, how we use flashback uh, most effectively in this issue. Just the art is mind blowing. It has a very late fifties, early sixties vibe to it. So if that's kind of the art style that you like, uh, then you'll definitely going to get a kick out of the human target. For those of you that don't know, uh, human target is a series about Christopher chance, AKA the human target who um, his gig is he will impersonate other people who are being threatened with murder, figure out who's trying to kill them and then stop the crime. And then, you know, go back to his life. Only problem is this time he's been poisoned and he's only got 12 days to live. Uh, Obviously we are now into day five or six of, of his life since this is issue number five and he's been going around. He's found out that the poison that was originally intended for Lex Luthor may have come from a member of the JLI, the Bwahaha League. And so he has been going around from issue to issue uh, trying to figure out who, which leaguer may have been involved in this. We finally get to this issue where he gets to confront Martian Manhunter and Martian Manhunter knows how to read minds. Ah, if you're a guy who's trying to solve your own murder mystery, you probably don't want the person who can read minds 
being able to know what questions you're going to ask and very quickly figure out how to cover up uh, with false answers or maybe the true answers. We never know. So it's a good thing that in this issue, which is told through a lot of flashbacks, there's like flashbacks inside of flashbacks in this issue. There's a member of the Legion of Superheroes that shows up, apparently trapped in our current time because of Lex Luthor. And uh, one uh, person from the plant, from the uh, uh, Moon Titan is teaching Christopher Chance how to block memories, how to control people who are trying to read your mind. And it is a fascinating issue. So if you want to see Saturn Girl, uh, and you don't know, it's I guess that's a major spoiler right there. Uh, because when she's first introduced, you're just like, oh, who is this person? Who, who is this person? And then finally he mentions something about... Uh, uh, my mystery woman from Titan. I don't know what country or Island that is. And she's like, no, it's a moon around the planet Saturn. Uh, so yes, Saturn girl does show up in this. This series is just like these series. Every time a new issue comes out, uh, I want to rush out and just grab this. This is, uh, I know that there's been a lot of brouhaha around the comicsology update. Uh, Ashley and I talked about it this past week on finally Friday. You can go check that out at our Twitch uh, channel, twitch.tv slash major spoilers. But here in the United States, I kept my subscriptions. People outside of the United States, their subscriptions got canceled. So it was great to be able to wake up first thing this morning, open up the Comixology app, and there's human target number five waiting for me. Just, I find this incredibly well-written. I find the art uh, spectacular. Yes, I still will say this feels very much like DOA. So if you're familiar with that movie, I have a feeling I know where this book is going to end. But, you know, Tom King does do some swerves. Fantastic book. Five out of five from me. It's the human target number five out this week from DC Comics. Did you get a chance to read it yet, Matthew? I have not. Uh, oh, I really you're in for a treat. Issues, though. You did. Yeah, you're in for a mm-hmm. treat. This is this is a good one. Uh, also, another one that I will uh that I do have on my um, uh, subscription list, blue and gold from DC comics. Yes. The ongoing adventures of booster and Ted throughout the universe. I don't know how uh, ongoing this is. I think this only has like one or two more issues left. So uh, six of eight, it's ongoing for a while. Uh, written by Dan Jurgens. Jurgens. Art by Ryan Sook and Wade Von Grawbadger, which is really fun to say. Uh, this issue opens with Rip Hunter looking you in the face, breaking the fourth wall and explaining to you that everything that we found out last issue is true. And the earth is actually part of an interstellar network and is owned by this woman who has also kidnapped booster and blue beetle. Fortunately, Rip Hunter, the time master and their two robot pals, uh, skeets and, uh, buggles, who by the way are an adorable couple and i think they're about to fall in love uh but that's just me skeets and buggles hanging out doing their thing and uh rip has a plan he's going to find out what's going on and finally we actually get to meet the fans of blue beetle and booster gold who have been texting and tweeting about them for the first five issues. So we get to meet Kat, who's a huge fan of Blue Beetle, and T-Girl, who is a huge fan of Booster. And the two of them don't get to go on the the mission, but they do get to hang around, so that's fine. And, of course, uh, as Stephen mentioned, the human target this month is DOA. Uh, This issue is actually Amok Time, an episode of Star Trek The Original Series, because... They have been captured by this alien warlord and told that they will fight for her approval to join her harem. And when they decide they're not gonna, someone mind controls Booster and they have to fight. But if you're a fan of Ted and Booster, you know how any fight between Ted and Booster is going to go. If you are a fan of these men, you know that Booster has a wide array of powers and technological advantages and force fields and blasters and all sorts of nonsense. But also, uh, he's a bear of very little brain, so you know how this is going to end. But it still somehow ends up being satisfying. Uh, And then, of course, Rip goes back in time to see whether or not Earth is actually part of this interstellar network. Spoilers! 
he goes back in time because he's the time master. Uh, no spoilers on what happens once he's back in time, but when he arrives on planet Fighty Fighty, he walks up to the people and says, you know me, you know my legend. And everybody goes, oh, it's the time master, which frankly for me is one of the best parts of the whole issue. There are some things that I did not like. Uh, there are some running gags in here about Booster joining the harem, which feel... I'm not going to say that they're Booster not necessarily you know, wanting to be part of a harem with other guys for reasons that are homophobic, but it definitely feels like it could be read that way. And of course, the hero who appears on the last page, not mentioning any names... Let me read this. Excuse me, I had something in my throat. Uh, does kind of have a, a thing that I'm not happy with either. But all told, really lovely art by Ryan Sook. And uh, Jurgens does some fun stuff with the dialogue and the story that makes you forget that you're watching Amok Time. Uh, Beast, Beastle and Booter. Yeah, Beastle and Booter, number six. Beavis and Butthead, number six from DC Comics. Three slices of meatloaf, blue and gold is the date of the comic. He said, speaking clearly, go buy it right now or don't, you know, I'm not. All right. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, Rodrigo, we're going to jump a week ahead. You're always ahead of everyone else. Uh, you're taking a look at Cowboy Bebop number two. Now I will tell you, if you haven't heard the Dueling Review podcast, Matthew and I didn't care for the first issue very much. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, I like the story, but I hated the art. Uh, Matthew liked the art, but thought the story was convoluted. So, uh, we'll be interested to see where issue number two lands. Yeah, so issue number two, in fact, lands in a moon that has been terraformed. And the idea, or or rather, the, the general story is um, that it was a failed terraforming venture and the atmosphere is terrible and there's always horror, there's all these hurricanes and it might be toxic toxic at any given point and that stuff is only partially true when they get there there is actually a group of people living there and the more time you spend there the more something happens to you um and so the we get to see the um the bebop crew which at this point is just uh, jet spike and fay um, but this is this is in fact the Netflix characters um, rather than the original uh, anime characters. Right. Right. So there's a <laughs> there is some attempt to make these guys look like their counterparts, but um, I mean I wouldn't say that the art is uh, like bad or not doing a good job of it because i think you always know who each of them is it's mm -hmm. just like it makes some weird choices like uh like john cho's hair is out of control in this uh i don't know i guess it has to be like when you're taking you take spike spiegel and you turn him into a person you have to give him some features that remain so part of yeah. that is the hair that they gave john cho then you take John Cho's hair and you turn it back into a cartoon for a comic. And then that thing is, it's like running it, running that hair through Google translate multiple Congratulations, times. Congratulations, Rodrigo. You have, you said almost word for word, <laughs> my complaints about the art from the first issue. Okay. So that's still present. Um, so yeah, not to belabor the point I'm giving this two and a half slices. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, it does kind of feel like an episode of Bebop, like um, uh, of, you know, the sort of misadventures that these guys get into. Um, or, or rather, it feels like half an episode of Bebop, because obviously this is going to continue for at least a couple more issues, I think. Yeah, I think it's six issues total. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's interesting. Nothing much happens in it, but it's a, it's a fun look at the characters. So you got that going for you. Um, again, the, the, you know, really just a fine comic. There's nothing wrong with it. If you already don't like the Netflix Cowboy Bebop, this is not going to change your mind. Um, and if you have never seen it, 
this is probably not the introduction you want. You probably just want to actually watch the show. So, but for those of you that liked it, this is there for you. So two and a half slices of meatloaf. Yeah. I mean, it, it sounds out. like, it sounds like you and I, and we're all on the same page with this book. Yeah. So mm-hmm. there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, if you would like to buy any of these comics yourself, uh, we do have our Amazon slash Comixology affiliate links in the show notes. So you can just click on them. And you can go right over and buy the blue and the gold number six or human target or cowboy bebop number two. A little bit mm-hmm. comes back our way. And when I mean a little bit, I mean literally a little bit. Uh, I'm not sure we're supposed to talk about what the percentage is, but let's just say uh, I can count the percentage on uh, one of my hands if several of my fingers were missing. <laughs> So there you go. And remember, uh, Steven's people have 12 fingers on each hand. No, I'm talking about, no, <laughs> it's a lot less than that. <laughs> okay, so you can also head over to Majorspoilers.com, and you can read a lot of other reviews that are going up every single day of the week. But now we're going to be talking about the Incal, uh, Volume 1, the Black Incal, uh, which is like, we have the giant omnibus. Uh, Humanoid sent us the big omnibus. So <laughs> if you get the omnibus from Humanoids, uh, you're going to get... All, Everything in one. We're going to break up this big omnibus over the course of the year. Uh, this one, we are looking at just the black ink cow. This is Alexander Jodorowsky uh, and Mobius. And I'm going to say Mobius because uh, leading up into this, I was like, well, let's see if we can get this pronounced correctly. So number one, I went and found some documentaries about Mobius and everybody who mentioned his name in there from Stan Lee to Mike Mignola and all these others said Mobius. Then I said, okay, how does the internet uh, pronunciation engine go? So I copied and pasted Mobius right into uh, how to pronounce Mobius, and it came up with Jean Girard as the as what the uh, the definition was, and also pronounced it Mobius. Or if you're in uh, uh, England, Mobius. So there you go. So I'm going to pronounce it Mobius. Uh, so if if anybody else wants to pronounce it another way, that's uh, totally your choice. But I'm just going by what <laughs> uh, a lot of other comics professionals and an actual uh, speaking engine. Uh, spoke to me at. So <laughs> the reason why we're looking at the Incal is because uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Tito, what's his name? Tito. I, I, I always get one to flip it around. Same way with uh, what's her name from the Star Wars. Uh, Ahsoka Tano. I want to always flip their names around in a weird way. I don't know why, but um, this is going to be made into a major motion picture. Uh, probably not going to come out until 2024, 2025, somewhere around there. But everyone is very excited about this. Uh, We are looking at the English translation that was translated by the humanoids uh, uh, run by uh, Mark Wade in 2014. So this book has been out for a while. Um, There are, I think, four. I think there's four volumes that are told by this duo. And I think towards the end of the year, we will read the new adventures of the Incal, which are told through... I don't remember if it's Jodorowsky doing the writing and someone else doing the art, but, um, but yeah, there's some, there's some other in-cal stuff that's coming up towards the end of the year. Yeah. Jodorowsky does the first five chapters. Yeah. And then I think it's picked up by, um, his wife, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, maybe that's who it is. So interestingly, I don't remember when the very first story came out. But I know that a lot of what we see here from the the Mobius art uh, was directly ripped off for Blade Runner. So I'm okay. saying that this probably came out before uh, 1980, maybe. I believe this volume came out in 81 originally. Okay. Oh, this it says, uh, it says that came out between 1980 and 1981. Yeah. Actually, it came out between 1980 and 2014. So there you go. Um, so we get to meet your low class detective rundown detective and uh he is going about his life uh we meet him when he's being thrown off the top of a really tall bridge down into a lake of acid down below and the police rescue him because everybody thinks he has uh the the doohickey the incal and so through the course of this first volume uh he gets chased by a bunch of different people uh different uh creatures different factions and he's on the run uh, until he runs into a factory full of uh, of uh, where they make androids, hint or a surprise, spoiler, whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. Androids are made out of uh, dead body parts. So there you mm-hmm. go. That's something yep. to look forward to in our old age. And that's really kind of where the issue ends. It just kind of ends on a really weird cliffhanger. 
uh, for what this is. And I don't know if that's because of the translation or if that was the intent uh, originally, but that's, that's, it just kind of ends in a weird spot. I feel like it may be another one of those collection issue things. I don't know. I mean, or, or it was because uh, this was originally uh, done in installments in a magazine, right? Right. I believe it was in, uh, yeah. Heavy metal. So yeah, maybe the, the end of a chapter is retroactive to like whatever the magazine's publishing schedule was or whatever. Oh, maybe mm-hmm. because there's a lot of times, how often does heavy metal print or I guess, so heavy metal is based on the French, uh, heavy metal comic, right? So yeah. how often, how often was heavy metal? Is it like one of those weekly magazines? Uh, or not? I, I've never read metal, but, uh, heavy metal was a monthly book when I read it in the eighties. Okay. Because a lot of times when you're reading through this, because like uh, 2018, a lot of Judge Dredd stuff comes out like weekly in right. in uh, the UK. But occasionally when you're reading this, it feels like you read two pages and then there's kind of like that comic strip thing that we talk about in, in some of our old comic strip reading stuff where it's like the first panel, they're repeating the events of the uh, last panel of the previous uh, day. And then the last panel is a cliffhanger. Because the way that some of these pages play out, it's like you read two pages or maybe four pages, and then it feels mm-hmm. like there's a break, and then you come back and you turn, and it's like, oh, uh, welcome back, uh, person who hasn't been here for 24 hours or one week or however long it's been. I don't know if you guys got that in in the way that the story was told or not, but that's, yeah, what, definitely. that's kind of the feeling. I mean, characters stop to recap what's been happening in mm-hmm. you know, relatively organic ways. Uh, with some frequency and it's like, yeah, this really does feel like this feels like serialized work for two reasons. One, there's that, that aspect of like characters kind of recapping things, um, and, ex- and re-explaining things. Um, and also because this really has a, a, a heavy metal quality, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, having picked up issues of he- heavy metal here and there, it's like this just feels like a heavy metal story, even though I never mm-hmm. read this in heavy right. metal. Right. Right. And then of course, absolutely- throw that on top of with the art, uh, that again was ripped off in, um, in fifth <laughs> element. And, and you've got a lot of fifth element vibes in here too. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the, the American heavy metal book, uh, that we read started as straight translation of the French, uh, book the metal herland or however one pronounces it again i apologize my french accent is atrocious i'm from kansas this is how we speak but when i talk about hey this feels like the heavy metal of my youth when i say that in a general sense if you ever wonder what the heck i'm talking about just look at this volume look at the incall and then you can go okay this is what it's all about you know you have moments in this and i feel like it's in the first 20 pages that we get four or five different explanations of that's John Defoe. He is a level mm-hmm. R investigator. And then, you know, we have the moment where, Hey, what's going on? Oh, well, I've uh, taken this woman to the whoring planet of Horatron and she's going to have sex with lots of men. And I'm like, why is that here? I'm like, I don't know, but it's beautiful. And then when the plot starts to kick in, you know, when when his pet gets possessed by a psionic force from beyond the universe and starts being worshipped as God, I'm just like, this story has been translated into the English language, but I feel like it does not translate into the English idiom. So it still feels like it's in another language, even when I'm reading it in English. And I, I don't hate that. I honestly, no, I no, always no. love it when that happens, you know? Yeah. And so the MacGuffin, the Incal, uh, mm-hmm. there's uh, multiple factions that are after it. Of course, the president of the, of the, of the universe, uh, wants his hands on it. Then you've got the Bergs, which are these, I don't know. They look like they have bird beaks, but bug mm-hmm. bodies. And then yeah. you have the, um, uh, who are the giant ape people? What are they called? Oh, I, I think they just call them mutants. They just call them mutants here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then you've got the mutants that are after them as well. And again, if, if it, if it sounds like, wow, it really sounds like you're talking about fifth element. Yeah. There's a lot of that in this book. Yeah. There's the, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it would not surprise me if this plays out very much like 
that movie did as well. And I'd have to go back and look and see what um, uh, the director of this, uh, The Fifth Element, uh, yeah. what what he drew from that. Uh, gosh dang, what I forgot his Luc Besson, uh, obviously French, obviously uh, probably right. influenced right, yeah. by Mobius a lot. And so um, I'm going to bet that there's a lot of influence. Oh, yes. I mean, in, you, in you, that. You can't deny it. I, I mean, the, the whole body transference thing that the president goes from, the, they go to the clonophage or whatever it is, the clonage, uh, mm-hmm. uh, where they're translating or transferring the president's old withered body into a new majestic body is like straight out of, again, Fifth Element, where they're, um, you know, cloning your body from, you know, one little part. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's weird to see. And I, you know, I, I realized this week, Thanks to Rodrigo that in my head, 12 monkeys and the fifth element are all the same movie. I vaguely remember the end of the fifth element. And I somewhat less vaguely remember how the in call goes on. And I can tell you that you are on the money. I mean, there's definitely, and it would be nice if it was actually called out, but there's definitely an influence on that. And I feel like, the amount of things that you can look at this and go, this reminds me of, mm-hmm. yeah, is I think that alone should tell you what you're looking at here because this is in this is in no way something that I feel like I should be drawn to because this is kind of a, you know, a science fictiony, almost but not quite dystopian but futury kind of weird and back and forth and you know Pretty dystopian. Uh, I get it, but there. Uh, this is not necessarily something that is normally my jam. Even though I like the movie Heavy Metal, there are times where I'll read the source material and I'll go, meh. But there is just something about this book and the mix of the images and the mix of, you know, what's going on and what they're saying and what they're doing and all of these things that is just endlessly rereadable to me. Now, I will say to you this. I have read, and I'm air-quoting read, uh, the various volumes of the in cult dozens and dozens of times. I don't always sit down and read it in a linear fashion. This is one of those stories that sometimes you go through and you're like, my God, that's a gorgeous image. And then you get dragged in for several pages and then something pulls you away. So, uh, you know, kind of like uh, a Quentin Tarantino movie, it's not necessarily in my head in, in linear progression. And that also doesn't hurt my enjoyment of the story. There's stuff in here that I don't remember ever having happened when I've read the books before, which I don't know if it's collecting, you know, more things that we've got, but there's things in here that I remember incredibly well, you know, that, that first page falling down the well to your eventual doom mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. that actually ends up becoming a, recur- a recurring motif throughout the stories, which is hilarious. Yeah. Uh, the main character falling to their inevitable doom and looking down this gorgeous detailed panel just you know to endless endless falling to your death you can see that as well i mean that's in heavy metal the movie you see that uh, when tarna is thrown down the pit and it's clearly a reference to this and it's just as clearly one of those things that you have to say it this is so influential and yet you don't necessarily hear people talking about it the way you do other books of that same era that's weird to me so uh, the public, so this is uh, from the wiki post, uh, the publisher sued Luke uh, Besson, director of the fifth element, uh, claiming that the film borrowed graphic and story elements from the Incal, but lost their case mm-hmm. uh, in an interview given to the Chilean newspaper, the clinic uh, Jodorowsky uh, claimed that neither he nor Mobius actually sued Besson, but instead that the lawsuit was filed by the editor of the comic series. He further claimed that the case was lost because Mobius quote betrayed them unquote by working directly with Besson on the production of the film. Oh, betrayal. Yeah. Betrayal. Yeah. In uh, a very, 2002, that's a, that's a very incal kind of moment there too. Yeah. In a 2002 interview with the Danish comic book magazine strip, Jodorowsky claimed in an, it was an honor that somebody stole his ideas. Yeah. Now, when did, when did Mabius die? Do we know? Or is he dead? Uh, no, died. I believe he, he passed away. Uh, no, he died in March of 2012. So it's been several oh, years. Oh God, it's been 10 years. It doesn't seem like, cause I feel like one of those things where I saw, I saw, you know, the notice like 10 minutes ago, but mm-hmm. ish, that's scary. 
I read the news 12 years ago. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, <laughs> indeed. Yes. Where were you when Kennedy was shot? Kennedy was shot? Um, <laughs> have you so, guys seen the... Um, have you guys seen the 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 video at the door from for the from Strokes? Mm-mm. It's it's I like a, it's a it's a big hodgepodge of like eighties animation kind of references and images. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys should check it out if you like you know if you like Mobius stuff. Yeah, like it's it's like kind of a more of a tip to the tip of the hat than trying. Oh to yeah, like there's a lot of like heavy metal stuff in here. I'm I'm scrolling yeah. through it right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This yep. feels very much like watching a heavy metal uh, segment. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So what's the final thought on this? I mean, we probably should have just continued to push through. I mean, this volume is like 350 pages total, the omnibus mm-hmm. that we have. We only read the first 50 pages. We could probably push through, you know, 100 pages for the next, you know, for the next uh, time we look at this. But what are you guys' thoughts so far? I feel like... This is one of those, you ever have something where you're just like, I want to recommend this. And Mm. yet there's a part of your head that goes, what if, you know, what if somebody reads this and they're like, oh, this is actually trash. And you're like, so what what would make them, so what would make them think that it was trash? Cause certainly I'll give you a warning, a lot of nudity in here, uh, Mm -hmm. both man wiener and lady parts. Uh, Mm -hmm. so there's, so there's that. So if that's something that offends you, there's a lot of sex in here. So if yeah. that offends you, there are some, you are, there are some beats that repeat themselves. There are, you know, and you mentioned there are moments where it's like, this feels like we're getting the Mary worth thing where mm-hmm. five days. And then we're like, Oh, remember when Wilbur fell off the boat? Uh, yeah, we remembered it happened two days ago, Mary worth. But I also feel like for me, one of the downsides is, uh, best encapsulated by the story of my friend, Chris, uh, in 1989, we were in college and Chris was like, man, I hate the Beatles. And I'm like, why do you hate the Beatles, Chris? And Chris was like, because I've heard it all a million times before. And I'm like, that's because the Beatles influenced everything that you've heard. And he's like, doesn't matter. Now I'm hearing the Beatles after I've heard all the stuff that they influenced. And it feels like it's been done. So I hate the Beatles because they influenced everything. And so now I'm going back to the original and I prefer the influence material. I feel like there's a very, you know, real possibility that someone is going to read this and go, this is ripping off the fifth element. I love the fifth element. And this is not as good as the fifth element, or this is not as good as 12 monkeys, or this is not as good as the 13th warrior, because all movies with numbers in them star Bruce Willis and have some sort of, you know, science fiction twist. But I, I also read through this and I'm like, I remember how awesome this book was. I remember how wonderful it was to read. And it's still, it's still awesome. It's still good, but it's also one of those things where I feel like I'm, I'm recommending, Hey, Steven, have you heard the, have you heard about this cool new thing? It's called a glass of water. And if you have eight of them a day, you won't die. I almost yeah, feel like so, that when I'm trying to say, you know, you guys should read Mabuse. It's like <laughs> literally the spring from which comics are, are sprung. Right. I, you know, and that's the thing, right? Because uh, how dare you say something bad about Mobius, right? Uh, but I can look at pages in this volume and I can mm-hmm. say, wow, there's an incredible panel or wow, there's an incredible page. Uh, look at how this is laid out and how the story is told. And then there's other times where I, that I look at Mobius's art, not only here, but in other places. And I'm like, yeah, I hate this. I really am turned off by this art. Um, so some people will, will be in the same boat as me. I know why he is great and what he has influenced, but at the same time, don't care for that style because it does have a very seventies, eighties, uh, avant-garde new, not, not new wave or new age, but definitely, uh, European indie comic feel to it that really turn off a lot of people. So, um, I can see where for some people, this art will not be to their liking. Uh, I think the story that we've read so far, I kind of wish we would have read more because it just feels like, Oh yeah, this chapter it's done. It's it's over. Uh, forget about it, kid. We're not going to tell you anything more. And I'm like, oh, really? That that kind of bites. Uh, granted, I can continue to read forward, but um, 
And I think really people should, if you're going to get this, get it in the omnibus version. But I can see some people not liking this volume, uh, not liking this book at all. Uh, so this may be a borrow. This may be something that you can check out um, from a library. Or if somebody already has it, apparently with Comixology, if you have it in, in your uh, Comixology account, apparently you can lend it to someone else. Mm. And uh, they have a borrow feature, I guess. I don't know how that works. I never used it. Maybe somebody else can explain it to me. Uh, but apparently they have a borrow feature in Comixology and Kindle. So maybe you can borrow it from, from someone there. And I think that's going to be my final recommendation is, is maybe just borrow it and check it out. Rodrigo, what about you? Um, yeah. So we talk about important comics a lot. Uh, the end is an important comic, right? Um, Mobius did influence a lot of people and the way that the Incal is written is both influential, but also wears a lot of its influences on its sleeve. Um, I don't know. I like I found this book uh, like sort of endlessly weird. It's mm -hmm. like when you turn the page, you don't know what's going to happen next. Right. There's like a moment where like a lady is like, hey, I need a bodyguard. And then you flip the page and she's getting railed by a dog man. Yeah. And yeah. then like you turn a few more pages and the main character is like ducking behind a car and he's like, oh, no. It's the president's hunchbacks. Right. Right. <laughs> right. And it's like, at no point is there ever like any handrails to hang on to or anything. It just kind of feels like you're tumbling down this exquisitely rendered, like downwards pointing corridor at all times. Um, and I didn't find that, find that to be uh, an, uh, a, a bad experience. I enjoyed it. Um, I'm actually glad that we only read a small portion because reading reading a comic with Moses art is actually exhausting. There's yes, a lot yeah, to yeah. look at, a lot of detail. Yeah. You want to take it all in. You want to see all the knobs and dials and the police turbo cyborgs or whatever. Um, you want to see, yes, that like the 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 thoroughly or or, or you know appropriately rendered. Uh, scrotum on the uh, a on the ape alien that then turns out to be a bug alien. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's all there, right? And it's all it all it asks you to do a lot of work. And if you look at a page, um, some pages have like little breaks where there's like nothing in the background, mm -hmm. and the characters are kind of in a more um, what I want to say, uh, just kind of like a silhouette against the luminous background or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, but then it's like back to, it's like, okay, fourth course of this meal. Um, it's all the pies, right? Yeah. So it's, it can be really tiring to, to read more of this, at least for me. So um, me I would, I would recommend it. I think that you definitely have to put a huge asterisk to it and be like, this was done in the eighties and it was trying to be rad, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Perhaps, perhaps it's biggest sin is that it's trying real hard to be super rad. And I feel like we've gone through it through enough time that it stopped and looked like it was trying too hard. And now it's back around to like, yeah, yeah, this is being pretty rad, except of <laughs> course for, you know, the, the sort of like the social things that we've moved past or frowned up on now um, mm -hmm. that at the time were, were, were not even considerations. So let me ask you, uh, compared to, uh, you know, we have read other European comics compared to, mm. I think the closest to this would probably be Valerian and Loreline. Um, sure, how would you compare, yeah. how would you compare those two? Uh, I would, I, I think I like this a little bit better, but it is very similar. Um, there's just kind of this thing where like, I, I think the, the writers come up with a big concept that they want to mm -hmm. head towards and they mm -hmm. just basically create a bunch of weird steps towards it. <laughs> um, and then once they get there, they move on to the next one. And like you flip the page and the characters are like dressed in a completely different way. You know, like they go from like plain clothes to now being in space suits. And it's like and then like everything's shaking. And it's like, this is the only way to go through the turbo wormhole. And it's like, yeah. OK, I guess this is what <laughs> we're doing now. Yeah. 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 Matthew, what about you comparing those two? 
Um, it's weird to me because I like this better than that, but I also feel like comparatively to other things, I like it about as much as the last Asterix volume that we did, Mm. uh, with the Caesar salad. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I, I, I like some of the volumes of Tintin that we've done, uh, a little bit better than this, but honestly, just in terms of placing this up against other European books. I feel like the visuals here and the coloring, uh, I, I do have one major complaint about the book actually that I'm going to bring up right now. The okay. visuals are great. The coloring is great, but when they added the English lettering, the English lettering is very stark. It is very, very like high contrast black and yeah. none of the blacks in the pictures as they're colored are as deep as the lettering. And for someone with weird color issues, you know, you'll have moments where something will, will pop out because it's red or, or look weird because it's probably orange. And then you get to, you know, the word balloon and the word balloon is bam. Here's this deep, deep black. That's deeper than anything else on the page. It's a little disconcerting to me. It kind of pulls the words away from the image and forces me to think on two separate levels. But it's also, you know, a translated work, so I'd probably have to do that anyway. But I feel like just the presentation here is what makes all the difference for me. And mm-hmm. so, of the European books we've read, I probably like this near the top of the best. So it's top two, top three for me. All right. All right. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. We will be checking this uh, comic out through the rest of this year. Uh, we'll see if we can get to the to the end of it by uh, the end of the year. And uh, maybe we'll know more about the movie after that. Uh, Coming up next week on the Major Spoilers podcast, another Batman crossover. Ooh, what's it going to be? I don't know. But uh, in the meantime, that wraps it up for this issue. Thank you so much for listening. Currently, our show is entirely funded by you. You, that's right, our patrons. Thank you so much to those of you who back our show. And if you want to help support us, if you want to join the crowd of awesome patrons, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash major spoilers. You can sign up for the silver level membership. Uh, You can also support us by using the affiliate links you can find at majorspoilers.com. We will be back next week because we know that you love comics and we do too. And we will talk with you soon. Fat Dick's revision of Superman I could save a few bucks and stand around And read through the covers of the comics on the stand But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose I could still read the evens and the odds Well, I don't know Guess I haven't thought this all the way through Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew He kicked my butt out on the corner What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler, what a major spoiler. If I'm star raving rich like a man of iron, I might not be surprised to find that I might actually have the heart cold to follow an entire storyline. Would I really even need to read upon all those escapades? I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Being shot up in a fun bee in the Middle East with a King Santo and soldier. What a major spoiler, what a major spoiler, yeah, 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 what a major spoiler, whoa, 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 what a major spoiler. This podcast is copyright 2022 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. 
the world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. 